Here we were, my wife and I, being absolute rebels. Am I right, Ian? Yes. Absolute rebels. We were staying past, staying up past our bedtime. Usually, about that's, our bedtime is about nine o'clock. By the way, so here we are at nine thirty, still watching one of our favorite shows. But it's in this moment when you know, when we're in this dark room, the only uh, light given off is from the the the, the screen. Here I am realizing that I'm fighting back tears. I'm, I, I'm fighting the emotions. I'm wondering what's going to happen next. And I want to skip ahead and see, is, is the situation going to be okay in the end? Normally, I'm a guy who loves action movies. I'm a guy who loves like a war movie about a famous historical battle or a famous historical war. But here I am, caught up in the emotions of a, of a show that it doesn't, it's captivating. It's actually, I actually really enjoyed the show. But it's about, I mean, it's about, but it's just people talking in funny accents. Here I am watching Victoria with my wife, and here I am fighting back tears. And I'm like, why? Why am I doing this? This is not normally me. And it's in that moment that I realized it's my wife's fault. Not that because we're watching this show. I would have watched the show regardless. I, I'm a sucker for any type of story. It's, it's a captivating show. No, what's her, what's her fault is that she sharpened me. She molded me. Over, over time, over these past four years of these two years of marriage, happy anniversary, by the way, babe, of these two years, she's shaped me to be more like her. Because normally, uh, when I, I like to watch movies, like the Marvel movies, like Captain America Winter Soldier, here I am, I'm watching Captain America fight the Winter Soldier, and I'm like, wow, that's some really good choreography. I wonder how they did it. My wife, on the other hand, she's watching this and going, is he going to survive? Is Cap going to live? And I'm like, it's like a third of the movie in. Like, yeah, he has like, like four more movies to star in. You know, we're watching the movie Dunkirk, and I know the history behind Dun the Battle of Dunkirk or the Miracle of Dunkirk. And I'm watching a ship blow up, and I see fire in the sky and a ship sinking. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I wonder if that explosion was real. Or, I mean, I know they sunk sink that ship in real life. That's pretty awesome. But in her mind, she's like, all those poor soldiers, they're dead. I'm like, they're actors. <laughs> But of course, I mean, reality hits you when it's, of course, it's Lord of the Rings, right? The greatest trilogy of all time. If you don't think that way, you're wrong. But here we are watching these epic battles. I mean, I'm watching elves die, dwarves die. I'm watching a hero cut off an orc's head and its blood flies everywhere. And I'm like, wow, I wonder how they did that. I wonder if I can do that at home. I wonder if Candace would mind. Like, what did they use for the orc blood that came out of its body? But here she is on the other side going, that poor elf, the elf the, he, his family has no elvish father anymore. Or there's those, the dwarvish family doesn't have their father. It died in battle. And I'm like, they're fictional, not real characters. What's, what's wrong with you? But it's not those intense, violent movies. It can be a movie like Paddington. And yet she gets swept up into the movie. By the way, that's a phenomenal movie and the sequel's great. I love those movies. But then... I started to realize the same movies that I once loved, or I still love them, I, mean, I watched several times, watching them from a different perspective, now being my wife, I see them differently. I'm re-watching the same movies, but I feel like I'm watching, watching them for the first time because she 
shaped me. So when I watch Captain America Civil War, I get swept up into the drama. When I'm watching Dunkirk, I, I do think of the soldiers and the panic that I would have felt if I was on that ship. I'm watching Lord of the Rings. And I'm like, that poor elvish man. That dwarf, he's a, he lost. Why? And even in Paddington, I can get swept up in the emotion because my wife fulfilled a biblical truth. A biblical truth that is this, that you and I, we will be shaped. We'll be, we will turn into the people that sharpen us. We will eventually turn into the people that we spend most of our time with. And that's what Proverbs 27, 17 is going to tell you. You can turn there to your Bibles on your phone, tablet, uh, or paper Bible that you have there. But as you're turning there, I want you to listen to verse 11 of Proverbs 27. It says, Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. And after verse 11, 12, 13, through all the way through 17 and past 17, it's a bunch of different wise sayings. So think about this. What Proverbs 27, 17, the wise will follow. The wise will understand. The wise will respond to. The fool will ignore. The fool will put off. The fool will not understand. And I went sitting there watching the Victoria. I, I understood this. That as iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. My wife, over these four years of knowing her and this two years of marriage, have, has sharpened me to be like her. Now, I've, I've, I've sharpened her in different ways, mainly in the realm of sports, but that's not the point. The movies I used to watch and know like the back of my hand, now I see for the first time because she has changed me. And so the question is, is who is sharpening us? Because you are being sharpened right now. You might not even know it. I didn't know it. She didn't know she was sharpening me. She didn't know that she was shaping me. I didn't know I was being shaped until I realized it watching a show about people talking in funny accents. But you are being shaped and sharpened right now. People are hammering their ideas. The music you listen to, those artists are trying to convince you of their worldview. The shows and movies are trying to have your mind. They're conveying a message that you, they want you to believe. It's not just about dinosaurs. As a, one, uh, as a book I'm listening to says, the, the Jurassic Park is a movie that's it's not about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs happen just to be in there. It's about something different that you and I need to pay attention to because it doesn't matter if it's YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, those people are shaping you right now. Now the question is, what are you? Are you strong? Are you durable? Are you sharp? Who's hammering in the shape of you? Are you sharp enough and strong enough and durable enough to be able to fight off temptation and sin? Are you strong and durable enough to answer the question, like, should I date this person? Should I continue to be dating this person? Can, can you, are you sharp and strong enough to handle some of the issues of today? Like going back to school, who to vote for? Which social, uh, social site should you be on, uh, issue should you be on? Mask or no mask? Cats or no cats? Pineapple on pizza or not? And of course, sprinkles in your pancakes. But you're being sharpened right now. Regardless if you believe it or not, you are being sharpened right now. And what we need to do is that we need to make sure that we are being sharpened by those who are being sharpened into the image of Christ. So write this down for point number one. Have the right people sharpening you. Have the right people sharpening 
you. If you and I want to go get an authentic Japanese katana, a Japanese sword, these legendary swords that are so hard, so sharp, they can actually cut through metal, we're not going to go to some thrift store or some, you're not going to go to my, you know, my garage to say, hey, I'll, I'll make you one real fast. No, we want an authentic Japanese swordsmith who will spend the next four months of his life folding, hammering, folding, hammering, folding and hammering, making sure that this is sharp. Are we back on? Because if you have the right person that's going to sharpen you, you will be able to cut through anything. But if you're allowing other people who are not being sharpened into the image of Christ, you'll be no better than a replica. When the time comes, when the battle comes, you'll pull out your sword and it will just break on you. And you'll have a worthless sword to fight with. So that's why it's so important that we have the right people sharpening us. But where do we start? How do we start? Firstly, we need to take a test. We need to self-assess who we are spending our time with. Self-assess who we are spending our time with. The Bible reiterates this in Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks the wise shall become wise. If you notice, if you struggle with the subject, if it's math, science, English, if you hang out with people who are really good at those subjects, you study with them, you spend time with them, you soak up their knowledge, they help you, you will actually get smarter at math, science, language, whatever you struggle with. But the, ver the flip side's true. The companion of fools will suffer harm. Foolish people will make other people do foolish things. If you notice, if you're complaining about your teacher a lot, and you notice that everyone else is joining in, it's because you're being shaped by them. Also, Proverbs 22 takes it a step further. Make no friends with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. If you find yourself angry, ask yourself the question, am I hanging around angry people? Am I listening to angry music? Am I watching things that make, are making me angry? Because we need to self-assess who we're spending our time with. So your homework tonight is when you get home, Get to your room, find a quiet spot, and pray to God for him to show you, all right, God, who am I hanging out with outside my family? And are these the right people in my life? For what you want me to do. Not what me want me to do, what you want me to do, because you are the ruler of my life. You are the king of my life. And then tomorrow, take a next step further. Your small group leaders are going to ask, who are you hanging with? Who is influencing you, sharpening you? And open up. Share, be vulnerable. And this is the second part. You need to actually let God and let your leaders and your parents and your pastors to be able to challenge you, to sharpen you, to make you stronger. For those who are maybe new believers or who might be fr or freshmen or might be new to this church, it is so vitally important that you choose your friends wisely because they're going to shape in you and you're going to do things as a result of that. For those who are dating, who, are want, who want to date, or who have tight friendships and want, or maybe want friends, the people that you choose is critical. Because they are going to, the more time you spend with them, the more they're going to shape you into who they are. And so it's vitally important that we follow this. Even if, you're, if you are cynical about what I'm saying, you, you're going to believe eventually. And you're going to see that, yes, I have been influenced by the people around me. So after we self-assess who we have, here's the next step. We need to reach out to the right people to be our friends, and we need to seek out the right mentors to guide us. 
What kind of friends, what kind of mentors are you looking out for? Ones that are fun and easy to hang out with? Maybe not. Or there, you want ones that will actually rebuke you. Ones that are faithful to wound you as a friend, out of love. Because profuse, many are the kisses of an enemy. Friends will tell you like, hey, you should do this, drink that, smoke that, watch this, take a look at this, follow this, like this, comment this, text her, text him, follow him, date him. But a true friend will stand to you face to face and wound you out of love. Those are the friends and guides, the mentors that you and I need to be looking out for. Not people who are not yoked under the yoke of Christ. Because their yoke is heavy. Their sin is heavy upon them. But the yoke of Christ, he takes off that yoke and gives us his, which is light. Because he's already taken care of our sin problem. That's why we can't be un, un, unequally yoked with unbelievers. Can you have friends, of, can you be friends with unbelievers? Yes. You should use that friendship to witness and evangelize to them, but your closest, your crew, needs to be fellow believers that are running after God. I know this is difficult because sometimes those friends are easy to hang out with. They're part of your basketball team, part of your football team, part of your volleyball team, part of your surfing, you know, surfing friends, gaming friends, your theater friends, music friends, your coffee shop friends. You connect on so many surface level things that you're like, oh, we're super deep, but you're not. You can actually talk to my wife and I. On the surface, we, we didn't connect right away. It's, but it's our faith, our faith that was grounded in Christ is what we realized and then we fell in love with each other. So your friendships need to be grounded and rooted in Christ instead. Right now, you're like Indiana Jones. You entered this room. You have, a you have a plethora of potential holy grails, but only one of them gives life. The rest of, you will the rest of them will kill you. You have lots of friends to choose from, but very few of them will actually give you life because only a few of them are actually drinking from the well of living water that is Jesus Christ. And then and only then can they turn and pour themselves up to you and give you life. But a lot of friends, they're like McDonald's. They're everywhere, they're cheap, you can get them, no problem. They're easy to eat, but then afterwards they're not very nutritious. The friends that you want are like that steakhouse. You gotta save money, you gotta invest in it, you gotta make reservations, you gotta make time for it. But once you have that steak, man, you forget about McDonald's. When you have those friends, mm, those are some deep friendships that last a lifetime. Are those that are falling after Christ. But again, some of them look pretty. They're shiny. You connect well. But again, you'll drink it, you'll die, and the night will go, you chose poorly. But there's ones that maybe on the, on the surface level, you don't connect right away. You don't have the same hobbies, but you have Christ that is central. And you realize that's the one that actually will give you life. And the night will respond to you and say, you chose wisely. So True North, you have a choice right now. Look at to, in your own small group. Who are the mature believers in your small group? Reach out to them. Text them. DM them on Instagram. Call them. Make time with them. With your leaders, grab lunch with them. With your parents, grab lunch with them. Grab a coffee with Pastor Rod or, or, or myself. And let us sharpen you. But if you've figured out, you think you've figured it out, I want to say this. Like, I don't need these friends, Evan. I pity you. I feel bad for you because you think you figured it out, because I was you. I thought I figured it out. 
and God had to remove them out of my life. He removed my sin out of my life and he blessed me with true brothers and sisters. And I know what you are missing out on and I pity you if you don't heed these words. So make sure you have the right people sharpening you. Self-assess, reach out, seek out into my, my introverted high school students, my young men, young women. Maybe you're the one that doesn't like to speak out in small group. Maybe you're too shy. You maybe just look at the grass as your small group leader is trying to ask you a question, hope you don't make eye contact with them and they're trying to make your mouth move. Say, just answer me, please. I'm begging you, you have to speak out. You have to speak up. You have to allow your leader to be able to sharpen you. You have to allow your friends to sharpen you, but you have to be a little bit vulnerable. You have to open up. But it's not just this one-way relationship. We also, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. Jesus in Matthew 28 says we're supposed to make disciples. Part of the disciple-making process is that we sharpen one another. So it's not us just being sharpened by the right people, but we need to be the right person to sharpen others. Because not all of you are ready yet to make disciples. Not all of you are ready yet to sharpen others, but you need to get right. You need to be right to be the right person to sharpen others. So that's your second point. Be the right person to sharpen others. Last week at beach time before we all froze to death, when the sun was still up in the sky, Pastor Rod came up to me. He goes, have you tried this? This is amazing. And I was in shock. I kind of went, wow. Because I've been a part of True North for eight years and Pastor Rod's been the high school pastor. Uh, this is his fifth year. And if you know Pastor Rod, he's well-read, he's well-researched. And once he has a, an opinion or conclusion, man, he holds on to that. Can you give me an amen, cat lovers? Because he will never change his mind on cats. He rarely changes his mind. I don't think I've ever seen him change his mind, especially done by a student. But on Wednesday, I saw that. I was in shock. Because one of y'all did what I think was the impossible. You changed Pastor Rod's mind. You sharpened Pastor Rod. How? Well, because you were trained. You're well-skilled in your art. You uh, were able to focus on your goal. Like, you know what? I'm going to change Pastor Rod's mind. And you weren't lazy about it. You actually, you put your money where your mouth was. Pastor Rod was convinced that sprinkles were worthless. He even put it on the True North Instagram. Started a hot debate. Actually, it wasn't much of a debate. But one of you stood strong. Said, I'm strong and sharp, Pastor Rod, and I rebuke you. Sprinkles and pancakes are delicious. And Andrew Baca did the impossible. He changed Pastor Mind's mind. I saw this. I stand corrected. I'm like, what is happening? This is amazing. Andrew did it. He's our savior. Not really. No, you're not Andrew. But Andrew was the right person to sharpen Pastor Rod in that moment. Why? Well, first off, he was trained. He didn't stop training. He learned how to make pancakes with sprinkles in it. And he kept making pancakes with sprinkles in it. Like an athlete, they learn how to play a sport. You learn how to play football, volleyball, soccer, basketball. But you don't just stop learning it. You got to keep training at it. Otherwise, you're going to get injured. You'll be rusty and you'll lose. But for you musicians out there, I mean, you learn the piano. You learn the bass. You learn the drums. You learn the guitar. You learn how to sing. But you don't stop just because you just learned it. You keep going so you don't get rusty. For those who are in the theater arts, you understand this too. You don't get a script 
script, like, hey, learn this script, now go. Go, here's your performance in an hour. No, you learn it. You memorize it. You train at it. So when your time comes, you perform at your best ability. And for Andrew, he makes, he keeps training. He makes as many pancakes as sprinkles on it. So when he gives it to Pastor Rod, he is confident you will change your mind. So what are you supposed to be trained in? Apart from making pancakes with sprinkles in them, apparently. We need to be trained in our Bible. Here it is again, True North. Read your Bibles. For a thousand times, it'll be a thousand and one next week. We have to read our Bibles. Why? Because all scripture is breathed out by God. Okay, what's significant about that? What's the purpose? Why? Because it is profitable for teaching, for reproof and for correction and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, the person of God, the man and woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. If you truly want to actually do good and be the right person to sharpen others, you and I need to be in our Bibles. We need to be saturated in it. Like Joshua 1.8 says, we need to meditate on it daily. Not just daily, morning and evening. I challenge you, True North, read your Bible every day. And if you can do this, do go a step further. Try to read it twice a day for the purpose of trying to know God, to be more like him and to help others be more sharpened and for you to be sharpened by his word. So we need to be trained and not stop training. You can go beyond partners. You can, i sorry, beyond the, the daily Bible reading. You can pick another book of the Bible to study alongside. You can do partners with your leader. If you already took in partners, you can do another book, Spiritual Disciplines by Don Whitney. You can memorize scripture. You can keep going because we cannot stop until Christ comes back. But now that you have the tool, which is God's word, there's one really important thing you need to do next. You need to stay focused on Christ. A football player, a sport, an athlete, they train to win the game. A musician trains so they can perform. A theater uh, a artist, trains, actor trains so that they can perform. Andrew trains so that he can change Pastor Rod's mind. So we have a goal and our goal is to be like Christ and help others be like Christ. But if you are not, you're just like a little girl with blindfold, little boy, little girl, blindfolded, swinging around a bat and eventually hitting their little brother in the head. We have to stay focused on Christ because he is the one that helps the blind see. We are blind if we're not focusing on Christ. If we're focusing on ourselves, all we'll do is hurt others, wound others, and divide others. But Christ is the one that will be able to help us be unified. And the last thing we need to do is that we need to not be lazy. Don't be lazy, True North. Let's get to work. Maybe you feel defeated. Maybe you try to sharpen another person to encourage them, build them up, call them out in sin, and it didn't go well, so you feel defeated. Maybe you feel like Fat Thor. His plan didn't go well. Killed Thanos, didn't save the world. So you gave up on life. Didn't rule Asgard, gave to other responsibilities. Maybe some of you just like, you know, I just don't want to do it. I just rather just sit down, play video games and be with my life. No, you can't be like that. You have to get to work. Like Andrew got to work and convinced Pastor Ron, we need to get to work and to sharpen one another. Now, some of you don't have that problem. Some of you are like eager McBeaver. Some of you are like, I'm, I haven't, I'm not Fat Thor. You know what? I'm Jack Thor. I'm Rip Thor. I'm Buff Thor. I got my storm breaker right here. I got lightning pulsing through my body and I'm ready, ready to rebuke. I'm ready to sharpen my brother and sister right now. Like Thor came out of Wakanda. I'm gonna drop the hammer. Slow down. 
I say this because it's true. Ask your leaders who've been a part of True North. It's true. We had some eager high schoolers that I want to do good and they just run down and start whacking people and there's a massacre in our hands. So what are we supposed to do? Iron sharpens iron. If you have an ESV Bible, if you have the ones that have cross-references or a, uh, or a Bible study, you'll see like a number four next to the another. You guys see that? And if you look, you look down for that four somewhere else in the, on the page, it says Hebrew, it says, iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens the face of another. Okay, Evan, are you telling me to, next time I rebuke someone to kick, kick them in the face or slam a ball in their face? No, I'm not. We need to sharpen correctly. So here's the third point. Sharpen one another correctly. Sharpen one another correctly. You see, it's not like in the face, but it, you can do it face to face. Excuse me, see, oh wait, too far. Face to face. I'll keep that one out there. You do face to face and stay on topic. How did Nathan rebuke King David? Not Nathan Justice, not Nathan Nuevichin, Nathan the prophet, King David. Nathan wasn't even born yet. The other Nathan was. Nathan the prophet came before David. He said, I'm going to leave a really passive aggressive note on David's wall and mirror so when he sees it, he'll know I was here. Right? He, he sent a message, hey, uh, David, you know, the weather's real nice. Uh, it's good to see you. Did you hear Evan's sermon? That was, that was nice and cool. No, he went up to King David. He came face to face. Yes, he paid homage to his king, but he came to him in person, face to face. And he stayed on topic. Yes, he used an illustration to make his point, but he stayed on topic. He's like, hey, David, you sinned. It's later in Acts 18, verse 26, when Priscilla and Aquila, they hear uh, uh, Apollos preach, and there's a little thing that he needs to be corrected on. Instead of, the, it's the baptism of John, it's the baptism of Jesus now. And so they, they raise their hand in the back of the sermon and say, hey, um, Apollos, you're doing real great, but just let it clarify that little portion's wrong. Hope you uh, consider yourself sharpened, brother. Keep going. What do they do? They pulled him aside face-to-face, and say, hey, here's a little correction for you. And you know what? He was ready to be sharpened, and so he thanked them, and he kept on preaching and preached correctly. If you want to sharpen correctly, you need to sharpen correctly and be sharpened correctly. So you need to be not just face-to-face when you're you're sharpening someone, but you need to be face-to-face when they're sharpening you as well and taking it. But in order for the face-to-face to go well, for, to do, for like Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. For that to go well, as you see this, the second subpoint on the screen, you need to be consistent and available. No drive-bys. What do you mean? When a smith takes a, a piece of iron to shape it, he takes it one hit and just leaves. All right, here's your sword. That's $5,000. Thank you for your time. No, hundreds of times. He's sticking it in the heat. Thousands of times he's hammering that iron to shaping it correctly. So for us, we need to be in, our, in each other's lives consistently and constantly. We need to be available. In your small groups, you should be praying for each other daily. Pray for your whole small group. Get their names down. Put on a reminder on your phone. Get a prayer app. Put on post-it cards. And pray for your small group every day, each individual daily. 
text people, DM them on Instagram, text them, hey, how are you doing? If you're consistent in people's lives, you'll know what's going on in their lives. Like, hey, how'd that situation go? Hey, I've been praying for you. What's going on? Hey, brother, I saw what you did. Hey, we need to talk. Only consistency, people who are consistent in each other's lives will have the respect and the the permission to allow other people to sharpen them. Does that make sense? And also, in order to be sharpened into sharpened, that means you also have to participate in small group time. To actually talk. To peel your eyes up. To look your small group leader in the eye or the other person who's talking in the eye and, and share. Speak your side. Open up so that they can sharpen you. And then if you are opening up, others around you will open up and you can in turn sharpen them. But also challenging me outside of small group. Come to this. Yes, be here next week, either at 7 or 7.15. Be to small groups tomorrow from 6 to 8.30. But there's other opportunities outside small groups. The Averills are actually going to do one. This Friday, we're having an unofficial beach day in True North. Here's the announcement. Unofficial beach day at T Street from about 2 to 7 with the Averills. I might join. If you want to come, hang out, bring your spike ball, go to the beach and surf, hang out. Hang out outside of small groups. But use that time. If you're going to play spike ball for four hours, do that. If you're going to go to a coffee shop and uh, drink coffee on the patio, do that. If you're going to play video games, do that with your brothers and sisters within your small group or, or other believers that might go to a different church. But use those times strategically. Don't waste the opportunity to build one another up to sharpen one another, to call out each other in, our, in your sin. Use the time of spike ball, of, of gaming, of coffee to say, hey, what are you reading in your DBR today? What did you hear from God? Hey, how's that situation going on at home? I've been praying for you on that. Hey, you know what, man? We, we need to talk about an, another thing that we, uh, another issue that's going on. We need to be consistent in each other's lives. But lastly in this, we need to handle the fire with care. Handle the fire with care. I want to see if you guys know this. If you have a firearm, if you have a gun, you always assume that the gun is? Hey, I'm proud of you. You always assume the gun is loaded. Why? Because if you actually wave the firearm around at people and actually pull the trigger, had no idea there's one in the chamber, even though there's no clip, you might kill someone. Some of you love bonfires. Some of you like building fires, sometimes in inappropriate places. Manhood camp out, like three years ago. But some of us are too confident. We're, we're too familiar. We've been face-to-face with too many bonfires. We've jumped over bonfires. We put little too much stuff in the bonfires. And you know what? You have this ammo. You have this ammo to sharpen one another. And you think, oh, maybe I, I got this. Too many times we assume that. Too many times we see someone that need to be, needs to be built up or, or corrected in their sin. And we go, I got this. We approach the fire like this guy. I've seen this. Here's some gasoline. Why is my backyard on fire? I didn't know that. Some of us assume that we figured everything out. And we're wondering why our friendship is on fire. And why Pastor Rod, myself, and your leader and your parents are there to try to put it out. Firstly, we can never assume that we have it under control. We cannot think we stand lest we fall. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. We also, we have to humble ourselves and understand, I am not wisdom. God is wisdom. 
The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord because he is wisdom. Without him, I have no wisdom. So instead of trusting in me, I, I will, when I see someone to be corrected and encouraged, I will, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding. Stop, drop, and pray. If you see something, you see someone do something, stop, drop, and pray and ask God, God, am I seeing things correctly? And what should I do? I need your wisdom. I think I might know, but God, am I wrong? Next, you should seek out wisdom. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, Proverbs 3.13. And the one who gets understanding. Talk to your parents. When you see something, ask your parents. Ask your leader. And I will put an and here. And ask Pastor Rod or myself. If you see someone in sin, you need to call them out. Reach out to us and say, hey, I see, this is the situation. This is what I see. I think my, my brother or sister needs to be built up. I think they might need to be called out on something. Am I seeing the situation correctly? And how should I go about it? Because once we think we got it, that's when we throw gasoline on the fire and we're wondering what happened. But also when we approach it, we also need to be humble. We need to take this giant log that's stuck in our eye and pull it out before we pull out the speck in someone else. And you notice we're still called to pull out the speck. We're supposed to take out the speck. We have to be face to face. We have to take our time to make sure we don't pull out their eyeball. But we have to make sure we get this giant log out of our face as I fall over. We have to pull out this log in front out of our face. Why? Because we understand, if we do, if we understand what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5, 7, is that we all deserve hell. We all have sinned. We all probably committed that sin that that person committed. If we understand this, if we understand that we, we all, that you, the person that, that, that has sinned and then in you and me, we have offended and sinned against our creator. We have sinned against our holy God. We have sinned against a just God who will take his justice and pour out his wrath on us justly for what we have done. But praise God about Jesus who God sent down to show that he is right, to show that he is merciful, that he is the justifier. He came down, lived, died, rose from the dead. And now as a result, we have an opportunity to live again if we believe that his life and death was in our place and his resurrection will happen for us as well. And if we repent and turn from our sins and fall after him instead, if we approach a brother or sister like this and say, you know, I've sinned too and I deserve hell, we will be humble in our approach. And lastly, we will do so with compassion and gentleness and self-control, rather out of our pride or maybe even revenge to get them back for hurting us. Because a soft answer turns away wrath. And we're supposed to encourage one another and build one another up. That should be our goal. When we're correcting, when we're sharpening, when the sparks are flying, our goal is to encourage and build one another up so we are more like Christ, not more crumpled apart. So handle this fire with care. Just imagine with me, True North, what would this ministry look like? What would this group look like if we were sharpening one another correctly? If we were doing it, we're not being lazy, we're allowing people to sharpen us and we're sharpening others. Man, this ministry would look amazing. People on the outside would look in and go, how are they doing this? They hurt each other, but yet they forgive. They see wrong, but yet they try to build up. Why? I don't understand. How? Because our conduct will be a witness to the outside world that Jesus is our king. And that we take the opportunity to share with our mouths and our words that he is king to them. 
not only True North, our church would be the unified to get, as well. Because eventually, you're all going to graduate high school. As much as I want you to be dropouts and stay in True North forever, so I can have you forever, you need to go to the bridge. And you need to go to Alliance and Thrive. And men's and women's study. And be under Pastor Mike's teaching. So that you can sharpen one another continually until he comes back. Jesus comes back. So, we got to sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. If I'm asking you to open up in small groups and say, who, who are the people sharpening you? I want to lead by example and just praise God for the people he has given me in my life to sharpen me. People who go face to face like my parents. Face to face, eye to eye. And they tell me, hey, Evan, what you did was wrong. What you did was sin. They tell me about who Jesus was and why it's important to follow him. They teach me what hard work is and why I need to follow through on my word. But God also has provided friends in my life. Like the big guy in the middle. I'm the short one in the blue shirt. Who goes face to, who eye to eye, face to face and calls me out in my sin. He addresses the issue. He sharpened me to the point where God actually broke me. Because I was a replica. I was a fake and God used him, my friend Dylan, to sharpen me, to break me, so that he can make me a new piece of iron into a new sword. Because a few months later, I got saved because of that conversation. He's given me, after my conversion, men like Ali. Who had sat down eye to eye and showed me how to read the Bible with a new light. Who revived my Bible reading because of him. Or guys like Brendan, who sat down eye to eye and sharpened me in, in, in many areas but especially with my relationship with my wife. Before we even married, he challenged me. I'm gonna sharpen you to make sure that when you say I love you to her, you mean it. When you decide to buy that ring and drop on that knee, you mean it. And when you're standing here on stage, looking her in the eye and Pastor PJ is saying those words, do you say I do? I said it will last because he sharpened me. I have men like Pastor Rod and Pastor Lucas in my life who sharpened me to be a better man, a better small group leader, and now to be a better high school director, who sit down eye to eye and level with me and sharpen me so I can be a better director for God and for you. He's also given me men like Dave Bryden, who's my current small group leader, who sharpened me on the regular, eye to eye, looks through my finances, looks through my calendar, and says, are you being a man of God with this? Are you being a godly husband? Because he's eye to eye and face to face sharpening me and God is giving me my biggest sharpener, my wife. Who I've been married to for 731 days. Thank you, leap year. Got an extra day in my second year. But God has used her to sharpen me like no one else here. And that's why it's so important that people that you date or dating or that you want to date need to be someone that God will sharpen you to be a stronger person after God's own heart. So True North, who is sharpening you? And the next question is, are you even sharp? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for being our ultimate sharpener, Lord. You sharpen us through other people. And God, thank you for showing us how. God, I pray for these young men and women in this crowd, Lord. I pray for those who are not following you, Lord, Lord, that they would just bend the knee, that they repent, believe in you, and start to be sharpened by you. So, Lord, they, they, they can cut through anything in this life and be ready to, be, to embrace you as your king for eternity in the next. I pray for these young men and women who are saved, Lord, that you would be with them. Lord, I pray that they would open up if they are shy. Lord, I pray that they would be humble if they are confident.
Lord, so that you would get the glory, that this ministry would become more united under your banner than ever before. Please be with us tonight. Please keep us safe. And let's have an amazing small group time for your glory, King Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.